This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Kristen Robinson has our top story. The Piper Cherokee 6 plunged into the sea Saturday shortly after taking off from Roatan, a popular tourist destination in Honduras. The plane completely destroyed, says this Honduran police officer. Four American passengers were killed, along with the B.C. pilot, 32-year-old Patrick Forseth. Heartbroken devastated. My mom keeps on saying again and again that the big light of their life is is gone, is out. Forseth's family reeling from the loss. His sister Jenna says her brother grew up in Abbotsford and was an accomplished pilot who loved flying. He's an incredible, incredible experienced pilot um, and he, he passed his training on to us. At the time of the crash, Forseth was en route to Trujillo, a port city on Honduras' northern coast, where he had lived and developed tourism projects for close to a decade, his parents operating the area's Tranquility Bay Beach Retreat. He was like a brother to me. One of the greatest pilots has gone very early. Forseth had previously worked as a medevac pilot with close friend Adil Mendez, who operates Alert International Rescue. That he was a, a real hero because uh, he saved so many lives, even without the, we have any payment or, or, or any credit for people that needed emergency. We were there, and he was a great pilot. We're going to miss him. As the Honduran community mourns, local authorities still investigating why the plane Forseth was piloting went down. He was like the life of the party and the one who's there for you always. Kristen Robinson, Global News. There was an all-out effort in Surrey today after two auto repair shops caught fire. A building housing a fountain tire shop and speedy auto glass in the Fleetwood area was engulfed in flames and thick black smoke. Firefighters worked hard to make sure it didn't spread. Paul Johnson has more on the firefight. A massive column of smoke Sunday morning rising from the remains of two businesses. At one point, five ladder trucks were deployed to beat back the flame. So I was just coming back from my morning walk and I was going home over a couple blocks away and I seen a little smoke coming up. But and then it, uh, it's a lot of smoke coming up. When crews arrived on scene, the fire was already uh, fully involved in, uh, and through the roof. It took three dozen firefighters several hours to contain the blaze, which appears to have started in a fountain tire shop and then spread to the adjacent Speedy Auto Glass. The thick black smoke and smell consistent with burning tires. A lot of chemicals and um, products in there that, uh, that are dangerous give off toxic smoke. For several hours, traffic was heavily affected in the busy Fraser Highway and 152nd area, with Fraser Highway completely closed off. So far, no known injuries to either firefighters or citizens. At this point, they don't know what the cause of this fire was, but they are saying there's going to be a full investigation to determine that. That's the latest from here in Surrey. Now back to you.
All right, thank you. Paul Johnson reporting tonight. A pedestrian has died after he was hit in East Vancouver last night. Vancouver police say the 38-year-old man was jaywalking on East 57th Avenue near Prince Edward Street at about 7 p.m. when he was hit by a gray Honda Civic. He was rushed to hospital but later died of his injuries. The driver remained at the scene. Alcohol does not appear to be a factor. No name has been released. And Highway 1 near Chilliwack is open again after a multi-vehicle crash that was caused by a fuel spill. Chilliwack RCMP say a fuel tank separated from a tractor trailer spilling oil all over the highway, a stretch of about 1,000 meters long. Multiple cars spun out, but only minor injuries were reported. The BC Coroner's Service now says a woman in her 30s died in a suspected case of carbon monoxide poisoning at a campground in Salmon Arm. RCMP say the woman and a young person were camping at the Sandy Point campground yesterday when they may have become overcome by the odorless gas. In their tent, a cooking pot with wood ash was found, and it's believed it was being used as a source of heat. The youth was rushed to hospital in serious condition. Officials say it is a reminder about the dangers of CO poisoning. The initial symptoms are flu-like, so you'll get lightheaded, dizzy, nauseous, and that's the early stages, that's your early warning signs. So it's important that you seek fresh air. So anytime you're around um, byproducts of combustion, campfire, um, any motors, gas motors, lawnmowers, pressure washers, uh, furnaces, coal burning produces any of that will produce the byproduct. A new report says the Broadway corridor is a key economic driver for Metro Vancouver and traffic congestion as well as transit overcrowding is limiting regional economic growth. The study commissioned for the City of Vancouver and UBC suggests the Broadway area between Commercial Drive and the Point Grey campus generates $1 in every $10 of Metro Vancouver's GDP. That's largely because it's an employment, housing and transit hub. It suggests increased transit services, including SkyTrain all the way out to UBC, will help the area reach its full potential. A former city planner says the findings are important, but planners and politicians need to think long term. The report says that we're talking about a Broadway ecosystem. I think that's a pretty good metaphor. It's not one single thing. It's not just the SkyTrain line. It's just not these buildings or the jobs. It's how they all interact in a region. It's just not Vancouver. It's just not the neighborhoods. They're part of the ecosystem. But you need to be thinking of it in a very big picture kind of way. And you have to be thinking 100 years out. If you make these multi-billion dollar commitments to infrastructure, it's just not to serve the immediate growth. That's important. But it's to serve the growth and the changes coming. We know how to do rapid transit. SkyTrain is one of the most successful rapid transit lines, certainly in North America. But what we have tended to miss is we underbuilt. We've underestimated. We can certainly see that with the Canada line. That's going to be a very expensive problem to solve. We just didn't build it big enough. And we underestimated the demand. Even on opening day, you can confidently say they already are. The same thing will happen with the Broadway line. It will be, it will be effectively packed. From the moment it opens, the demand is already there and the demand it induces. Members of the Vancouver Rowing Club are upset with a proposal from the Royal Vancouver Yacht Club. Rowers say they've enjoyed plying the waters of Coal Harbour for years. 
but a plan to expand the Yacht Club's merge capacity is making waves. Here's Tanya Beja. Members of the Royal Vancouver Yacht Club are looking to grow. And on a beautiful weekend, it's easy to see why demand for space here is at a premium. We have quite a long wait list for members that are looking for slips. And they're people that want to get out in the water and really enjoy beautiful British Columbia. The club has submitted plans to the Port of Vancouver, which would see pilings replaced, as well as an upgrade and expansion to club facilities. The boathouses will be refurbishing those and adding 47 new slips. But that possibility is creating major concerns for rowers who share the waters of Coal Harbour. First thing that came to mind is that that's the end of rowing because of the narrowness of the waterway. At the west end, they're coming out about 33% of the waterway. Members of the Vancouver Rowing Club say the plans will reduce the waterway's width by up to one-third in some places, limiting the buffer space in an area already crowded with paddle wheelers and yachts. This proposed expansion will in fact cause a blind spot where no blind spot exists right now. And that's a really big, big fear for us. 40 teenagers train at the facility and say if they feel unsafe, they may have to move elsewhere. I have a lot of good friends here and it'd be a shame if they lost their membership uh, because of the new expansion. But boaters say the waterway could be made safer with the expansion through the creation of a defined channel with one lane in each direction. We're all focused on the safety of everybody involved. So we want to make sure that we all work together to create the safest possible recreation area for our boaters, sailors, rowers. The port is expected to seek public input on the plans in the months ahead. Tanya Beja, Global News. Vancouver police are considering barricades for the city's entertainment district to prevent traffic along Granville Street. In an effort to increase safety along the Granville Strip, the VPD often uses police vehicles to close the area to traffic on Friday and Saturday nights. A report to the police board last month says the city is seeking funding sources to potentially install permanent short vertical posts in the area or even movable barricades. Police in the city are consulting with the fire department as they work together to improve safety and security in the Granville pedestrian zone. One of those options that is being looked at is the placement of ballers along the Granville Strip. The goal is to make Vancouver uh, the safest city to live, work and play. Pedestrian safety is a priority and this is another way that the city of Vancouver and the Vancouver Police Department are working together to make the city safe for everybody. I don't think that that just applies to Granville Entertainment District. I think that we should be looking at doing that just uh, just as other large European cities have. They've looked at uh, not only installing um, these bollards, but also having them uh, so that they automatically can go up and down, so that uh, space can be open to the public, but there's also easier access for fire trucks or police cars. But at the same time, uh, you can close that area off also and prevent other vehicle traffic from getting in there. The police watchdog agency is investigating the actions of an officer after a motorcycle crash in Kamloops this weekend. An officer pulled over a male motorcyclist on Highway 1 in Kamloops just after 8.30 last night for allegedly speeding. When the officer left his vehicle, the motorcyclist allegedly took off. Soon after, the motorcyclist hit a center median and went into oncoming traffic. He was rushed to hospital with undetermined injuries. The IIO is determining what role police actions or inactions may have contributed to that incident.
Welcome back. A young man who has been struggling to overcome a life-altering illness is finally getting the break he desperately needs. Five years ago, Jeff Dunsire was left paralyzed after going into liver failure. It's been a long road to recovery, but as Julia Foy reports, it was a search for a new home that's giving him hope for a new lease on life. The carriage house over here. The Dunsire family is excited about the new property they've moved into in Mission. For son Jeff, it has also meant the beginning of a life-changing friendship. Pretty damn excited, to say the least. We met Jeff five years ago when he was recovering from liver failure, which had left him in a coma with damage to his kidneys, heart and brain. He was temporarily paralyzed from the neck down. When I started, I couldn't even move my arms or legs or anything. Couldn't move my body, couldn't turn side to side. And now I can do all of that. After years of rehab, a liver transplant, and sheer determination, Jeff came home last summer, but his troubles weren't over yet. I absolutely have hope. He would not have gone as far as he had, worked as hard as he has, to have it end here. Jeff has been on dialysis three times a week since then. Several people were tested to see if they were a match as a living kidney donor. One of those people was realtor Debbie Pierce, who had listed the Dunsire's home and found the mission property. I knew at that point that I was going to be the one that gave him a kidney. In April, Pierce found out she is indeed a perfect match and presented Jeff with a hope for a future. No. Seriously? They sold our house in record time and got asking price. Then they found us our dream home, that this is just a dream come true for us with our family here. And she's given Jeff the gift of life. I mean, how do you thank somebody for that? The kidney transplant should happen sometime this summer. Before then, the Dunsire family and the Pierce family will be fundraising for the Kidney Foundation. Their team is called The Believers, and they will walk together in the Kidney Walk on June 2nd. So I'm healthier, and now Jeff's going to be healthier. Jeff Dunsire has survived a lot of setbacks, but he's now looking forward to returning to work and a brighter future. Thank you very much. So much. Julia Foy, Global News. Collectively, they've racked up millions of kilometers over the years, driving passengers from town to town across western Canada. This weekend, 150 former Greyhound workers gathered in the Okanagan for one big retirement party. Kimberly Davidson reports. What would you really like to be when you grow up? <laughs> A Greyhound bus driver. It's the last company party for 150 former Greyhound workers. Drivers, ticket agents, and other former employees from across Western Canada gathered in the Okanagan for the Maylong weekend. With the company ending the way it was, we needed to be able to see each other again one more time and be able to share some stories and say some goodbyes. The drivers remembering all the best parts of a job that many of them had for decades. So you see the mountains, the lakes, the prairies, the desert. Um, You become familiar with not only the surrounding areas, but also the various uh, 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 people. And the people at this party understand each other in ways no one else can. Some going so far as to call the drivers they've worked with over the years family. We had a job where a lot of times were inclement weather, bad roads, uh, um, long hours, and and so we had a a lifestyle that we shared. Greyhound announced last summer that it would be suspending service in Western Canada on all but one route, and that came into effect last October. 
My motto always was Greyhound can take our jobs away, but they can't take our friendships, and it shows in this weekend. So even though the buses have stopped moving, the camaraderie of those who drove for Greyhound keeps rolling on. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. Vaughn and Barry join us now. Felt very summer-like today. I was out before 10 o'clock this morning. You can really feel the heat. Yeah, it was nice. And if you were away from the water, even warmer, many spots uh, getting just over the 20 degree mark. So a nice welcome change after some of the cooler temperatures that we've been seeing. So I glance at a few other spots across the province today. Areas into the southern Okanagan for Soyuz getting up to 23 degrees. Even across the central half of the province, we have seen some wet weather. 17 as the high in Victoria today up to 22. Hope you got out and enjoyed today. We are tracking some wet weather for tomorrow. The timing of it, not all areas across the province will be a complete washout. I'll show you that coming up very shortly. All right, and don't touch the remote, but there's a big game on TV right now. Yeah, a lot of drama going on in uh, sports today. Raptors, kind of in a must-win situation mm-hmm. against uh, Milwaukee in Game 3. They're tied very late in the fourth, so by the time I come on, that one uh, could be in the books, hopefully for the Raptors, if you're going for Toronto. And uh, Prince George Spruce King is playing for the National Junior A Championship out in Brooks. And speaking of Brooks, Brooks Kepka, could he hang on to the PGA Championship lead? It looked like it'd be a walk in the park, but... It's never easy in, the, in those majors. It always gets a little tight, and it did. So we'll have highlights of that coming up. As well. All right, sounds good. Welcome back. A number of wildfires in northern Alberta are burning out of control this long weekend. A viewer sent us this video of the massive fire burning near high level, about 25 kilometers south of the town. According to Alberta Fire, the blaze is covering more than 25,000 hectares. High winds have made it difficult to fight the blaze. Still, officials say there is no threat to homes or businesses. And two fires are burning out of control northeast of Slave Lake, where the fire danger is classified as extreme. One of those fires has grown to nearly 1,000 hectares. Also in Alberta, a 21-year-old man is dead after a hiking accident near Canmore. RCMP say the young man was on Hart Mountain early this afternoon when he fell about 18 meters to his death. The man was with at least one other person at the time. Police are still trying to reach his family. Hart Mountain is located off the Trans-Canada, about a 90-minute drive east of the B.C.-Alberta border. U.S. President Donald Trump is using his favorite weapon, Twitter, to lash out at the first Republican to say Trump engaged in impeachable conduct for trying to obstruct special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Democrats are calling the Michigan Republican courageous. The president is calling him a loser. Michigan Republican Congressman Justin Amash, now the first Republican to say President Trump engaged in impeachable conduct for trying to obstruct Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. Amash arguing on Twitter that Attorney General William Barr deliberately misrepresented Mueller's report and President Trump's actions meet the threshold for impeachment. Democrats backing him up. Well, I think it's a watershed moment. I think Justin Amash coming on board means that there is now bipartisan support for really understanding the seriousness of what is in the Mueller report. He showed more courage uh, than any other Republican in the House or Senate. But what may be pushing us in the direction of impeachment uh, in any event uh, has less to do with Justin Amash and more to do with the fact that the administration is engaging in a maximum obstructionism campaign. The president fired back on Twitter, calling Amash a total lightweight and a loser. Republicans say Amash has been a frequent critic of the president and often votes with House Democrats. Others doubt there's enough evidence to go forward with impeachment proceedings. I respect him. I think it's a courageous statement. 
but I, I believe that to make a case for obstruction of justice, uh, you just don't have the elements. Still, Romney released a statement last month saying he was sickened by the president's actions. Amash says he came to his final conclusion after reading Mueller's entire redacted Russia report. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. Overseas, at least 17 people were hurt today after a roadside bomb targeted a tourist bus that was heading for Egypt's pyramids. The blast blew out the windows of the bus. Egyptian officials say the bus was carrying at least 25 people, mostly from South Africa. The explosion took place a few hundred meters away from the Grand Egyptian Museum, which is due to open next year. No one has claimed responsibility for the blast, but Islamist militants have attacked tourists in Egypt in the past. In December, a bus carrying 15 Vietnamese tourists was hit by a roadside bomb, killing three passengers and their local guide. A billionaire technology investor stunned the entire graduating class at a college in Atlanta when he made an announcement at their commencement today, giving the school's newly minted alums more reason to celebrate. NBC's Kate Snow has the story. On behalf of the eight generations of my family who have been in this country, we're going to put a little fuel in your bus. The surprise of a lifetime. After receiving an honorary doctorate, the commencement speaker, billionaire philanthropist Robert Smith, shocking the graduates with an unexpected gift. My family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. Paying off every penny of debt for the nearly 400 graduates. Cheers for the $40 million lifeline. For him to lift that burden off our shoulders, off our parents' shoulders, off our guardian's shoulders, like... We're at a loss of words right now. In 2018, Forbes listed his net worth at $4.4 billion, making him the world's richest African-American. And his generosity is much needed. The student debt crisis hit record levels in 2018. A Wall Street Journal investigation found the average federal debt for graduates of historically black colleges and universities was more than 30 percent higher than students at other public and nonprofit four-year schools. Robert Smith has set an example that others will follow, not just for Morehouse, but for other historically black colleges and universities. A time for celebration and a reminder to pay it forward. The Parkland Florida High School, hit by a mass shooting last year, is paying tribute to the therapy dogs that helped students cope with the tragedy. Fourteen therapy dogs have their own page in the school's yearbook. Each of the beloved dogs dressed in its own unique style, from bow ties to bandanas for the photo op. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School made headlines in February 2018 when a gunman opened fire, killing 17 people and wounding another 17. The dogs are at work every day providing comfort to the school community. It's been quite the year for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. The couple took to Instagram to mark their first anniversary today, sharing previously unseen pictures from last year's royal wedding. They thanked their followers for their support. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex were married in St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle in front of one of the largest TV audiences ever recorded. Since then, they've welcomed their first child, Archie Harrison Mountbatten-Windsor, who was born at a private London hospital on May 6th. 
And not to be overshadowed, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge released new images of their three young children, Princess uh, Princess George and Louis and Princess Charlotte. It shows them enjoying a back-to-nature garden that Mom Catherine helped design with landscape architects for families and communities to connect with nature. It's part of the Royal Couples Campaign to show how being outdoors can have a positive impact on people's physical and mental health, including childhood. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Development. Well, here's where the phrase once in a blue moon comes from. People in downtown Miami spotted this rare blue moon last night. It was also spotted over the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin. Despite its name, it doesn't appear blue. Instead, it's bright white. The phenomenon happens when a full moon occurs more than normal in a season or when a full moon takes place twice in the same month. Astronomers say this is the third full moon to happen in a season with four. Amazing. Let's get our forecast information now. Here's Yvonne. Thanks, uh, Jordan. Good evening, everyone. Uh, it was fantastic today. Beautiful. I hope you got out and enjoyed it. Uh, we are tracking a bit of a change on the way to round off our long weekend. But a glance overlooking the North Shore Mountains. We've got a plane just flying through. It's still going to be dry for this evening. If you're out and about, you've got the barbecue up. 19 with a westerly wind out of the airport at 9 kilometers per hour. Today, we bumped up into the low 20s for most areas. We're above the average, but it is really going to start to cool off. We're back into the teens once again tomorrow. Our current number is 24 right now for areas near Coquitlam, Burnaby, that's where our studio is. We're at 23 degrees, 23 for Pitt Meadows and areas into Abbotsford touching at 22 with Hope as well. Across the island, 24 inland for Port Alberni and areas near Kamloops sitting at 21. We are going to see more cloud cover developing late this evening and overnight. And we are going to see some instability still tonight across the central interior with the risk of thunderstorms. And we are looking at a band of moisture bringing some rainfall, especially for areas near Prince George and Quinnell. And this will be the next weather maker that is going to push in across the province, bringing us that instability mostly along coastal sections for tomorrow. Here's the time limit. So an increase in cloud cover by the morning hours is when we'll see rain developing. It'll be heavier for eastern areas. And then by the afternoon, it'll taper off to a chance of showers by the evening. Most areas for the Thompson Okanagan, Columbia Kootenai will be seeing a dry day for tomorrow. It's really along the coast that we'll see the wettest weather. On Tuesday, it's cloud cover with a chance of showers. The wettest day will be for tomorrow. An update on the fire danger rating. Most areas across the southern half sitting at low to moderates. The northeastern corners, that's still a concern. If you're out, please be careful with your campfires and be diligent with disposing your cigarette butts. We've already had 184 uh, campfires this season since April. 35 of them, uh, 35 active fires and three even within 
the last two days. Uh, the suspected cause is human cause, so please be careful. The piece we're sitting at 22 tomorrow, very pleasant. A southeasterly wind will pick up, though, up to 30 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse over the next three days, we're cl- climbing up to 19 degrees with drawing conditions. Along the north coast, it'll be a chance of showers, but inland we'll see the risk of thunderstorms by the afternoon and early evening. Along the Caribou and Central Interior, we'll still hang on to that instability. Risk of a thunderstorm will be for tomorrow, and then it really does ease off for Tuesday, Wednesday, a nice improvement. Columbia and Kootenai, cloud cover but dry over the next three areas near the tops in Okanagan, bumping up to 18, and then temperatures for Tuesday, Wednesday, low 20s. Whistler will see that rain beginning for the morning hours. The south coast will see it heaviest for tomorrow, easing off to a chance of showers. That'll be the plan for our Tuesday, and then it rebounds Wednesday, Thursday. But be prepared tomorrow. The rain is going to develop for the morning hours and then continue through the day with showers towards the evening. I'll leave you with this beautiful shot that was taken this morning in Vancouver by John. Jordan? Awesome. Thanks, Yvonne. Officials in Iceland have had to close up access to a local canyon in order to protect it from the hordes of Justin Bieber fans who are determined to visit the site. Visitors are trying to sweet-talk rangers into opening the gate into the canyon, with one even offering a free trip to Dubai in exchange for the ranger looking the other way. The canyon is featured in the Canadian pop singer's latest music video, I'll Show You. The country's environment minister is urging famous, influential visitors to consider the consequences of their actions. It is just the latest example of the challenges for Iceland's fragile environment by its growing popularity with tourists. The Eurovision Song Contest was won by the Netherlands this weekend, but it was the host country of Israel and special guest Madonna that sparked the controversy. This can't be described in words. I can't write a song about this. I can't tell this in words. I'm so happy right now. My dream came true. It really came true. It was a night for the Netherlands. Dutch singer-songwriter Duncan Lawrence seized the top spot at the 64th Eurovision Song Contest in Israel's Tel Aviv. And celebrations back home were no less euphoric. The 25-year-old's winning entry beat 25 others in Saturday's grand final, a jubilant songfest that passed off without serious incident, despite calls by pro-Palestinian groups to boycott the event. A small crowd of protesters gathered outside, carrying signs reading, No Pride in Occupation and Feminists for Gaza. Israel said calls to boycott the competition were discriminatory and anti-Semitic. Queen of Pop Madonna, who performed two songs, had faced criticism over her decision to make a guest appearance. But she defended the move, saying she would always speak up to defend human rights. At the close of her second number, two backing dancers briefly appeared on stage, wearing the Israeli and Palestinian flags on the back of their costumes. The European Broadcasting Union said in a statement, this element of the performance was not cleared. The Eurovision Song Contest is a non-political event and Madonna has been made aware of this. Iceland's contestants also displayed small Palestinian banners during the voting. The Dutch victory gives the Netherlands hosting rights for the 2020 finals. All right, we're checking the score because <laughs> the game's gone to OT. Yeah, down nail-biting time for the Raptors. They, they, they need this one. Something fierce is pretty much lights out. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, after dropping the first two games on the road in Milwaukee, Toronto absolutely 
has to hold serve at home tonight in Game 3 to have any chance to come back against the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Raptors need to support Kawhi Leonard much better, especially Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam, who missed way too many open shots in Game 2. Gasol just two points in Game 2 on one of nine shooting. He's much more capable than that, and he showed it early as he hits the three ball. 11-5, Toronto early, and then Gasol with the great pass to Siakam, who lays it in, and the foul. Both men who had to produce more, well, they're doing it, at least early, early on. Norman Powell was terrific off the bench for Toronto tonight. Nails the three. He had 10 first-quarter points, and the Raptors led 30 21. Second quarter, Kawhi Leonard with the little teardrop there and the foul, 36-29. Now Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, he's a great player. But the Raps say he takes a lot of extra steps. Look at this. He's running a, the triple jump at a track meet or something. Proof here, but not called traveling by the officials. They did get him in the second half, but that's ridiculous, even in the NBA. Serge Ibaka with the three-pointer here to end the half. 58-51 wraps at the break. Third quarter, Siakam going right at Giannis, and that works out. Siakam is at his best when he's aggressive. More from Spicy P. Hits the corner three. He had 20 at that point. 77-75 Toronto after three. It comes down to the fourth, as it always does in the NBA. Wraps great defense on Giannis, and that will lead to this. Kawhi Leonard is going to hit the three, 85-77. They're loving it uh, in Toronto, but the Bucks come back. Brooke Lopez, strong move, and the foul cuts the Toronto lead to two. Now tie game. Who are you going to call? How about Kawhi, of course? The jumper here, two of his 26 in regulation. Drake loving that. Final seconds, though, after Pascal Siakam could have iced the game with two free throws. The Bucks tie it. Chris Middleton blocked, but stays with it, lays it in. They are in overtime right now, and the Raptors lead at 99-96. Brooks Kepka had a seven-shot lead heading into today's final round of the PGA Championship, the biggest 54-hole lead ever at this major. And by the way, Kepka's dominated this week. It seemed he would stroll to victory. But winning majors is never easy, and Kepka had to sweat it out down the stretch before lifting the Wanamaker Trophy for a second straight year. Kepka with five career PGA Tour wins. Three of them are majors. That's a pretty good percent. We will get to the main event in a moment, but first we got to show you this. Young Danish golfer Lucas Beregaard at the 17th. Two hops and in for the hole-in-one. Beregaard finished in a tie for 16th. By the way, Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin, 29th at plus 5. Corey Connors, 64th at plus 11. Now, Kepka bogeyed his first hole. And while that was going on, Dustin Johnson had a good front nine. Three under on the front side, including that birdie there at nine. Kepka was even, so he had a four-shot lead. Perhaps he felt someone in his rearview mirror because at 10, he almost holes it, makes birdie there, gets the lead back up to five. But the conditions were tough. The wind was howling, and that made for a lot of bogeys. And Kepka got on the bogey train. Third straight one here at 13, drops to minus 10. And moments after that... Dustin Johnson knocks in the delicate birdie from 11 feet on 15. Fourth straight day, he's birdied the tough 15th, and all of a sudden, the lead is two. We got a ball game. And then at 14, Kepka in trouble again, needs this for par. He misses, so it's another bogey, and his lead, once seven, is now down to a single 
shot. But Beth Page Black was a beast today, and it derailed Johnson's epic comeback after a bogey at 16. From the rough at 17, can't get it close. Another bogey for him, and he finishes at minus six. Kepka playing 18, has a two-shot lead. Had to chip out. This is his third shot, but any chance of a blow-up averted here. Great shot there, and then Kepka will step up and make the par putt. And Brooks Kepka, Mr. Major, does it again. His fourth major in the last two years. A two-shot win over Dustin Johnson. It's incredible. I don't, I, I don't think I even thought I was going to do it that fast. I don't think anybody did. And to be standing here today with four majors is it, it's mind-blowing. Today was definitely the most satisfying out of all of them uh, for how stressful that round was, uh, how stressful DJ made that. Um, this is – that was probably – Definitely, I know for a fact that was the most excited I've ever been in a long, ever in my life right there on 18. Welcome back. Prince George Spruce Kings have had an incredible season. They were hoping to upgrade that to perfect season today at the National Junior A Championship Tournament in Brooks, Alberta. The Spruce Kings rolled through the BCHL playoffs where they won the title. They beat Brooks Bandits in six games to win the Doyle Cup. And today in Brooks, those two teams met again in a one-game showdown to crown the national champion. This is their eighth meeting in the last few weeks, and the Spruce Kings had won four of the first seven. Spruce Kings had a quick turnaround, played a tough semifinal last night, beating Oakville 2-1. Brooks played in the afternoon, so more rest for them, the advantage of being the host. Brooks jumped on the Spruce Kings early, already up 2-0. Nathan Plessy will convert his own rebound, 3-0 Bandits after one. Spruce Kings in big trouble, but we know they won't give up. On the power play, Patrick Kazi will hop on the rebound. Prince George on the board. They are down 3-1. They were hoping to cut it to one before the end of the second, but unfortunately the next goal went to Brooks just with the over three minutes to play. Simon Boyko fakes, then fires. That's a perfect shot. High glove. 4-1 Brooks after two, but in the third, Spruce Kings mount the rally. Nick Poisson with the net front presence knocks in the rebound. That cut it to 4-2, and then with the goalie out for the extra attacker, the point shot by Dylan Anhorn tipped in by Nolan Welsh. That cut it to 4-3, and there's still time, but the Spruce Kings could not get another. They fall a goal short. Brooks Bandits win it 4-3. They take the National Junior A Championship. Tough loss for the Spruce Kings, who played their hearts out all season long. Game five, Blues and Sharks, Western Conference Finals, tied two games apiece. Second period, one nothing Blues. Jaden Schwartz in the right spot at the right time will score on the rebound. Pass Martin Jones, it's 2-0. And then Vladimir Tarasenko on the breakaway, chopped down. That's an easy call. It's a penalty shot. Tarasenko one-on-one -on, -one on Jones, and he rips it. Top glove, 3-0 Sharks. Third period, Tarasenko to Schwartz. Uh, we'll see the uh, top shelf there. Uh, goal now. We'll see the uh, Tarasenko rather to Schwartz for his hat trick goal. Five nothing the final. St. Louis now a win away from the Stanley Cup final and a date with the Bruins. The last time St. Louis was in the final was against Boston in 1970 when Bobby Orr scored his famous diving goal. World Hockey Championship, USA and Germany. First period, down a goal, but the Americans tie it. James Van Riemsdyk with the deflection of the Clayton Keller shot. Ties it up 1-1, and then later Van Riemsdyk dishing 
to Dylan Larkin, who finishes 3-1 Americans win. Canada plays Denmark tomorrow, and then they play the USA Tuesday to close out the round robin. Memorial Cup from Halifax. The host Mooseheads taking on Ontario champion Guelph Storm. Both teams won their openers, tied at one in the second. Moosehead shorthanded, but what a goal by Raphael Lavoie. Inside, outside, and then top corner. Beautiful goal. 2-1 Halifax. And the Mooseheads are back for more. They finished second in the Quebec League uh, championship, so they're a good team. 4-2 they lead right now. They are in the third, looking to go to 2-0 in the tournament. Vancouver's uh, Rebecca Marino is marching her way back towards the uh, top 100 rankings in women's tennis. All right, we're having trouble getting back to me here, but we can tell you that uh, Marino won a challenger event today in Japan, and the win has vaulted her to number 147 in the world. More importantly, she is gaining back her form and confidence, and uh, we wish her well as she moves forward. Final at the Italian Open in Rome, epic battle between world number one Novak Djokovic and the king of the red clay, Rafa Nadal. 54th career meeting. Djokovic has won 28 of them. First set, all Rafa bagels Djokovic six love in the set, but as you might expect, the Joker battling back Big forehand winner here, broke Rafa the next game. He took the second set, but in the opening game of the third, Nadal putting on the pressure with those deep ground strokes. Djokovic on the run, and his lob return is long, and uh, Joker not taking it well. Racket's fault. Rafa kept the pedal down. Another big winner down the line there, and he went up 4-1. And now to match point. Djokovic serving to stay in it. Ashley has the point going his way, but an uncharacteristic mistake at net, and that is it. Nadal wins it in straight sets. For Rafa, his ninth Italian Open title, and he's in fine form heading into next week's French Open, which he's won a record 11 times. He's won 11 of the last 14 French Opens, which is really quite ridiculous. Blue Jays finishing up their series with the White Sox today, and what a week it has been for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hit his first three homers as a major leaguer, and now he can make it four as he crushes a two-run shot in the eighth to help the Jays win 5-2. Guerrero now with uh, four homers on the road, starting to find his stroke after a bit of a stuttering spark, uh, start. But he is dialed in now and showing off that awesome power. There we go. And the Raptors are now in double overtime. Oh, wow. So highlights of that tonight at 11. Okay, sounds good. The popular Game of Thrones series is coming to an end. The series finale is tonight, and millions around the world will be watching to see how it all wraps up. And to celebrate, the Rio Theatre in Vancouver showing the final episode on the big screen. A long lineup of fans, some in costume, turned up for the event in what's promising to be a bittersweet send-off for the fantasy drama. The series finale, we're going to watch it live in theaters. Uh, I think everyone's pretty excited. Whether or not you've liked everything they've done so far, I don't think it matters because this is probably one of the most exciting Caesar, uh, series finale of all time. I think it's going to be great. We're excited. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how it closes up, and I mean, there's always the spin-offs to check out, so that'll be fun. I'm excited to read the final books when they come out. Yes. Oh man, you don't watch. No, but I a, lot don't of, watch. a lot of people are watch. committed. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil, but I heard there there could be some deaths in the fun. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? 
Am I going? Am I stretching things there a bit? No, am I, I don't going think on so. Limb? Based on what I've heard, the question is who, I guess. Right? Yeah. Yes, and who's going to rule? You know, it would take like more than seventy hours to catch up at this stage. Seventy right. hours of binge watching. Right. Yeah, that's the way that's it goes. That's a commitment. These days. Yeah. yeah, it is a big commitment. But why would you want to watch TV this week <laughs> when it's going to be sunny? Right. Yeah, it's hard when the nice weather's out there. A final look at your five-day forecast. We do have the blip for tomorrow. Rain will pick up for the morning hours, but then it really improves Wednesday, Thursday. We're back into some sunshine. Tomorrow, tomorrow it'll be a little bit cooler, so be prepared. Only watch the news hour. It's the only show you need to see. <laughs> Binge watch us. Yeah. And 11. We're back then. Thanks for watching. Good night. Good night.